Welcome to the Free Retiree Show. My name is Lee Michael Murphy. I've been in wealth management for the last 10 years right in the heart of the Silicon Valley. People have always asked me, how do I achieve financial independence? And while the financial world wants you to believe it's as simple as investing your money, I'm here to tell you it's a small piece of the puzzle. I've seen four consistent factors in the people that have achieved financial independence. One, they excel in their career. Two, they manage their money properly. Three, they're able to avoid devastating financial mistakes. They can see through the BS. And lastly, they understand they need to learn from the best, the people that have achieved success in their career and their finances. Join us on our journey as we learn how to become free retirees. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another episode of the Free Retiree Show. Your career, financial, and legal dream team is all back together. Today, we're bringing you a business and thought leader edition. We are extremely lucky and fortunate. We're going to be interviewing Jonathan Javier. He is the CEO and founder of OneSulting. OneSulting is a consulting company that helps people find their dream jobs. And today, we get the privilege of sitting down with Jonathan and learning about how to build your personal brand and why it's important no matter what stage of the game you are at. And he has tons of great insight into how you can all take your game to the next level. He has worked at Snap, Google, and Cisco. And guys, check this out. Juan Sulting started back in early 2019. Since then, Jonathan has amassed 60,000 followers on LinkedIn. He's become a renowned influencer, and he's led 150 workshops in eight different countries. So, Serge... Give me your take on Jonathan's meteoric rise. I mean, the data says it all, right? Like, we're just super pumped to have him on. Have him on, and I think his what's most important to me it's not the followers; it's the engagement of his community. And if you just go on LinkedIn, you'll see like discussions just happen. He doesn't even ha- really have to do much. People go back and forth. So to me, it's it's about the community he's built. You know, he's saying turning underdogs into winners. I think we can all get behind that. Yeah, I love that man. This guy's a rock star. Like people love what he says because he's he's got a lot of great insights uh matt what are you what are you excited about oh that same same thing i mean i just i love the message i think there's a real need for that and i think that people coming from some of these schools like that aren't ivy league schools that's what they want they want to get the jobs in the, the companies the tech industry all that and so i i just think that there's such a need for what this company does it's, it's gonna be cool I'm, I'm really interested to learn more yeah, super excited. So before we get into it, guys, we're going to go to a quick break. But before we do so, make sure you send us a like on LinkedIn. Share us with your friends. If you have questions, financial related, legal related, send them to ask at thefreeretiree.com. And we will take a quick break and we will be right back. Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. We're sitting down with Jonathan Javier. He's worked in strategy and operations at Snap, Google, Cisco. He has led 150 plus workshops in eight different countries, including the Meta ICT Forum in Jordan. He's done resume, personal brand building at Cisco, LinkedIn strategy and operations offsite. He's done a TEDx, and he has amassed 60,000 plus followers on LinkedIn. And his content gets 15 million impressions yearly on his content. Jonathan, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing awesome. When you can spend a Sunday morning on a podcast and you got three of these guys hyping you up, 
What else is there? What else is there to ask for, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you're 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 easy to get behind, man. So we love your stuff. We're just really happy that you made it on. Yeah, and I'm super excited to speak today in regards to everything. You guys are gonna get the nitty gritty of all of the goods, as they say. Yeah, man. So this is what I think everyone wants to know. You've done 150 workshops. You've been on a TEDx. You started your company back in 2019. Everyone wants to know, are you on a steady diet of Adderall and five-hour energies? <laughs> you know, just a steady diet of flexing all the time with those 150 workshops. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yo, a quick story, but actually, I actually never drink coffee. So I'm not like Sergio here who's drinking coffee this morning. Whoa, whoa, you just put me on blast. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know, man. But, but yeah, it's actually necessary. don't drink coffee at all. All I drink is smoothies with uh, bananas, strawberries, and protein powders and chia seeds. And I get my energy from people. So that's why like, I love these podcasts because at the end of the day, if I can get energy from other people who are also passionate about helping others like yourselves, that's what gets me up in the morning. That's why I was up in the morning at 6 a.m. today low-key fell asleep and then got up again but that's why i'm up all the time <laughs> that's awesome man so tell us a little bit about one salting we all want to know i mean we know what it is but why don't you tell the listeners what one salting does yeah of course so back in 2019 actually when i was at google just saw that there was this huge gap between non-target schools and non-traditional background students and job seekers so i came from uc riverside which wasn't a necessarily a target school for a lot of these big companies but what consulting does is it bridges that gap between the two of those groups. So for example, like all my roles actually for Snap, Google, and Cisco never actually applied to any of them, just use LinkedIn. So we teach a lot of the students and job seekers we work with how to exactly do that. And it takes less than 30 seconds, which is actually pretty crazy. <laughs> so yeah, so that's why, and when you go into these different companies too as well, you don't see like, people from UCR or people that look like you. I come from a Filipino background. Filipino is actually less than 1% of the tech industry. So I was like, all right, let's go bridge that gap and let's make a difference in the world. And that's what I'm all about. That's awesome, man. hundred percent. I think the fact that you just said like the non-target school, that's a, that's a, that's just facts. I didn't come from a target school and I've made it into these companies and you see a lot of the Stanford's and the, and the Harvard. So I'm sure the other thing you probably touch on in your training is just that imposter syndrome, right? Sometimes and like where people just don't know if they belong. So I think what you're doing is amazing. 100%. And that imposter syndrome is so important to get over because I think what happens is that everyone goes applies to hundreds of roles and they expect a response from at least one when in fact they don't receive a response back from many. And they focus on the ones that didn't respond. And then that creates the imposter syndrome because then they think that they're not good enough when in reality, that person might just be busy or there might just be another qualified candidate, et cetera. Well, that's why you got to think outside the box in regards to you networking in your interviews, et cetera. Awesome, Jonathan. So one question that we have is building a personal brand. We have heard you talk about it on articles and we've seen you on YouTube, but once you tell everyone the importance of building a personal brand and why they should do it and where they can start. Yeah. Personal brand is so important. What I think in the next few years, guys, is like resume is going to be obsolete. Like I just went through our intern program. So we have, we were hiring two interns guys, literally we had hundreds of applications. I probably took about six seconds to look at every resume, <laughs> right? 
But the thing wow. is, the crazy part is that the people that I selected for the final round literally didn't really look at their resume much. I just remember them from their personal brand, specifically in regards to what they exemplify on LinkedIn. So what I tell people all the time is that you should make LinkedIn content to kind of exemplify that personal brand. Because number one, to grow it in regards to, for example, let's say that I want to be known for the being the strategy and operations guy. Then I post about strategy and operations. And then imagine recruiters reaching out to me and be like, hey, Lee, like I saw that you're really interested in strategy and operations. I got this open position at Facebook. I think it's very good to not only grow your engagement, but then it also contributes to turning it into opportunities. And that's what I actually did to get into Cisco. Just created these LinkedIn content. And I got into Google same way, made a LinkedIn post, said I was leaving Snapchat, and then got hit up by like 10 companies. And we're like, hey, we want you to work at our company. So if anyone wants to start, just start making LinkedIn content. It, it's very simple. All you got to do is just tell your story. What I think is that everybody has an underdog turned winner story. No matter how you look, no matter what your background is, everyone comes from an underdog background. You just got to exemplify that story because then you see people who relate to it too as well. And then you build that community aspect. And that's what gets people to be like, man, I want to... I want to hear more about Lee's story. I want to hear more about Sergio's, Matt's. I think that's very important, especially when establishing that personal brand. And then last but not least too as well, it helps in interviews. So like when I was interviewing at companies, like when I was interviewing at LinkedIn, the interviewer was like, oh, I've seen your LinkedIn content before. And I was like, oh, damn, like really? And she's like, yeah, you know, I saw your post about this, your articles, et cetera. So I'm telling you, you never know who is also looking at your content. Could be people who are students, could be recruiters, hiring managers, could be CEOs. You just never know. So let's take two different types of folks. The people that are newer in their career that maybe they don't have, they might think they don't have any experience, right? They're probably coming from point like, ah, oh, I've just been a student. I don't know what I can post on. And then the other side, maybe the person that's been at a company, they're not happy. They're, they're, they're doing their grind, but they're, they're dead inside. And, and they're trying to figure out like, well, what can I do? I, I, you know, I got my, my profile out there on LinkedIn, but they're not active. Like that's me in corporate. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what are the now. two different approaches? Yeah. So uh, for students, so let's go with students first. So yeah, students can utilize it to in multiple different ways. Number one, they can talk about fields that they're interested in. So when I was a student, I was just always talking about professional development all the time. But the thing was, I tailor my content actually towards the top companies. So how I actually got into the top nice. companies was I would have talks with people at Google. I'd say, hey, I'm writing an article in regards to how people get into the top companies coming from a non-target school. Could I interview you? And they'd be like, yes, sure. Because they understand the struggle because they have a similar background. I'd write down the notes. I'd post it on LinkedIn. I'd tag them in it. And then guess what? Guess who sees my post? everybody at Google because they're Google employees, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah. So that's why I was able to grow my branding a lot with tech professionals coming from a student background. So as students, you can utilize that as a value prop, especially with networking. So you can do that part and, and as well as grow your personal brand specifically in regards to what you want to get into. But what I always say is you got to have a call to action. So at the end, I tell people all the time, you got to say like, 
if anybody is in the tech field, I'd love to connect. Or if anybody comes from non-traditional background, I'd love to connect. Because then you get everybody who's going to your profile and then you go at them. So that's how you can expand your network when you're a student. And then as a professional, if you don't like your job or you don't like your role, just talk about something you're extremely passionate about. So I see people all the time, for example, they're always like, oh, Jonathan, I, I, I want to move, I want to make a pivot, a career pivot from retail to tech. And so what I tell them is go make some posts about your story and about how you want to get later on into the tech industry or your interest in it. Because then you get people who used to be in the retail industry to look at your post and be like, oh, I used to, I have the same story as Sergio. That common ground aspect I tell people all the time, so important, especially with networking. Because if you have common ground, that's what matters, especially when you're, when you're networking and growing your brand. Yeah, the other, the other thing that you do really well is you make it super simple and easy for people to like, understand. Like I see some of your posts and you have templates. You're like, hi, insert name. I saw you work here. I know you went to this college, like reach out. And I'm assuming you did most of this when you were doing it. It sounds like it was cold messages on LinkedIn, just, just to get some clar like clarity there. Like when you were reaching out to this person at Google, was that just a message on LinkedIn or what was it? Yeah, literally yeah. just a message like that on LinkedIn. Guys, I would think of the most, and I always stress thinking outside the box because I thought of the craziest shit guys. Like, uh, like for example, what, like for networking, you guys know what I would do? I would literally for people at Google, because I try to find a common ground with them. No one from UCR really worked at Google. So the first people that I network with were people with the same name as me. No way. <laughs> I literally said, y'all got, got common names too, right? I type in Jonathan Google. I go search it and I go at everybody named Jonathan at Google. I'd say, hey, Jonathan. Uh, my name is Jonathan, and I'd be like, "So you got a dope name, man. You gotta, let's connect, guys." I'm telling you, I connected with sixty percent wow. of those people. Do you wow. think anybody would do that? Like, yo, hey, Sergio. Oh, Sergio, I saw. My name's Sergio too. Oh, I saw you at Facebook. Your name's Sergio. Let's connect. I've never in the history of my life thought about connect. That, <laughs> but, that's not common. That's 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 impressive. But you know what I mean. <laughs> and then people always like, "What happens if I have a unique name?" Like, I don't know, like. Jonathan, I don't know, man. I'm just making, making so basically, there's just no excuse like to not yeah. do that. I mean, <laughs> that, exactly, that works. Right? And like, if you got a unique name, you just say, "Hey, I saw you got a unique name. Let's connect," because y'all both <laughs> got unique names. See what I mean? So you can create common ground anywhere. I'm just telling people, but people always like, "Man, I don't have any, I don't have anything in common with this person." You're both human. That's that's a common ground, but you just got to find the other layer, the, the deeper layer of how to network. Yeah. So like people that are that student or that person that's looking for a change. They've, they're all about, yeah, I got to put my resume out there. And if I, if I really want the job, but you're telling me that that's becoming less and less of a factor. So like if we're going to build content and we're in one of those two categories, like how often should you make content? If you've never done it before, if you want to start it, how often? I would say if you're just starting, just do it once a week. I mean, I used to do it only once a week and uh, before the pandemic because I was just super busy with work, but now I do like three, three, four times a week. But yeah, I'd start off with one. Don't do every day. Like, I don't know how, man, I don't know how people do it every day, guys. Like I would get burned out. I'd just be like, oh shit. Like I got to make another piece of content. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, right? Plus your audience, your audience would get burnt out too, you know? Dude, 
Exactly, right? Like, you don't want to see Jonathan Javier popping up on your feet every time, even though it might happen. Sorry, y'all. Um, <laughs> I think that's actually uh, happening on, on, on the internet right now. Right? <laughs> right? You're like, this guy, right? Um, no, but yeah, I would say once a week would be, would be good. The thing is, though, when you're trying to start content, everybody uh, who's listening, make sure that you are, number one, of course, creating authentic content. But number two, you can make the best posts. The thing is, you got to have a goal in mind. Like, is your goal for the, your content to grow your brand? Is your goal to get a job? Is it just to network with people? Is it just to give back to the community? Because you got to have that goal. And then you got to think about how you're going to attain that. So what happens is, unfortunately, a lot of people only have like 100 connections, right? Mm-hmm. What they have to do, if you're just starting out, if you only have a few connections, you got to tag people who influenced you who mentored you because they have more connections, probably a thousand plus. And let's say you tag five people who have a thousand followers each, you have 5,000 people now looking at your post. And that's what grows the brand. So you got to expand your reach through that aspect. If you're going for engagement and for people looking at your post, and then you're able to broaden your horizons. So Jonathan, you, you, you look at a ton of resumes, I'm sure now. And what, what do you, what do you see is like one of the biggest mistakes that some of these new candidates are making? Yeah, I just went, I just, I just did a uh, little resume over resume workshop for the applications actually that got rejected for role. One of the common mistakes is number one, they just have a responsibility instead of no impact. Like for example, let's say that for, for this podcast, your, your position is host and it's, it says host podcast with individuals. I mean, that shows just a responsibility of what you did, but imagine you said, host podcast with 20 plus C-suite executives from companies, including Facebook, Google, and Juan Solting. Sorry, I just said Juan Solting. I plugged myself in, guys. Oh, I like it. Put it in that category, bro. <laughs> it's like Google. It's like Google, Facebook, Juan Solting. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but you know what I mean? It's that, and then at the end, say, leading to increased increase downloads by 5,000 in a week span. I'm just making some numbers up, but you all see that impact with the numbers. Mm-hmm. I think the numbers are what yeah. people are missing that part. Number two, too much white space. People are using too much white space. I mean, too, yeah, there's too much white space on the resume. You got to utilize most of it because a lot of people will just have like three words. I'm like, you can exemplify yourself more. Last but not least, I would say too, as well, a lot of people's margins and font size. I know it's very small, formatting things yeah yeah the fonts oh my god guys it's like man i know i'm i know i'm asian like i can't really see that much but like <laughs> i had to i had to swear i had to go wear some glasses for, for, for yeah, one of welcome to the free retiree yeah show. <laughs> i don't know about the show now i'm retiring right now <laughs> like i was trying to read some one of, one of the resumes it was eight font i was like man i gotta i was trying to look at it but make sure your font is over 10 and then also too, as well, your margins uh, are aligned. One of my, my best, one of my best friends and my business partner, Jerry Lee, he always talks about having the margins straight because imagine a recruiter looking at it, like, and looking at that, that's a first impression of your brand, that branding aspect. So you want to entice the reader to be like, man, I want to read Lee's resume. And that's how you do it. Yeah, definitely. And you, you were talking, you do a lot of like international work too. Are, are you seeing like, huge differences between international candidates and U.S. candidates? Oh, that's yeah, a good question. question. So inter- the difference between international 
students or candidates and like citizens, like domestic, for example, is literally they just have a smaller group of companies that they can get into. I personally think uh, the reason why I say this is because a lot of the companies, like the bigger companies actually do sponsor. Uh, we've worked with a lot of international students who have actually been able to land jobs at those big companies. But what you have to do as an international student is you might do a little bit more work, which is just on the back end, because number one, you have to identify the companies that are sponsoring. I feel like the mistake that a lot of international students make are that they go for companies that don't sponsor. You're wasting your time. How you identify those is you utilize different websites and you can actually find them. Number two, you network with people. And I actually wrote an article about this. You network with people who did their masters in the States and their bachelors outside of the U S this is actually very, very crazy because a lot of people don't think about this, but usually Common though, right? their bachelors, like for example, in India and do their masters here and then they work at Google they're usually sponsored. So that's how you can identify the people who are international students who got sponsored by these companies. And then you reach out to them as an international student be like, Hey, I saw your international. It'd be great to connect. And then, then you learn from them and then you follow in their footsteps. So yeah, I think that's, that's the difference. Just identifying the companies, but then you got to take a little bit more effort in regards to their approach, but it is, it is doable. And I think that that's probably a common thing, especially in, in Silicon Valley here, is that a lot of people might have their undergraduate degree from another country, and then they come here for the higher education and the master's or whatever graduate degree, and then they get, you know they land these nice jobs. So, and I think that's a that's a huge approach. Exactly, man. And I was going to say too as well, like we have our own international underdogs into winners community with about four thousand people. So we always bring people from international backgrounds who have broken into tech to speak to the students and job seekers, which is pretty cool. So we're kind of bridging that gap too as well, that underdog international background. How did you create such a presence, especially, I mean, internationally, like across eight different countries in such a short time frame? Like, how have you done that? Yeah, I think it's just providing the value. Like the things that I told y'all today, like, like the strategies take less than 30 seconds. And that's why I always stress that because like searching your name and the company probably takes like five seconds. Searching the, for example, the bachelor's degree, whatever university it is, probably takes about 10, 15 seconds to research. So I think that's what's helped a lot in regards to the value aspect. Number two, we've helped a lot of international students, of course, but I've spoken in different countries. So for example, like I've spoken in the UK, in Nigeria, in all these places, virtually and in person too as well. Like the MENA ICT forum was actually in Jordan where I went in person. I think that's really what's caused the global reach. Our third biggest market is actually India. So that's, I mean, it makes sense because a lot of people from India on LinkedIn, but India is actually our third biggest market, US of course, first and then Canada. So it's just great seeing a lot of those individuals internationally come to our events and then just providing that value. I think what helps too as well is the people that we bring on our speaker series come from international backgrounds, but then also are big name people in their respective companies and have amazing stories. Can't wait to have Sergio on there. I also Sergio all the time. I got to get him on there. No, we got to, uh, we got to do that. Maybe October. Jonathan, we, you talked about the interns that you're bringing on. I saw something pretty cool and unique. Are you, is this true that you guys are going to go live when you interview them? Or did I, did I read, read that wrong? I, I've never even heard of that before. 
Y'all check That's this out. That's a game out. changer. We actually did it already. It was three days, so check this out. We were just okay. Thinking, <laughs> wow. it, it, it was pretty crazy. So we all try to think the most random ideas, and we try to do like like just to, just to try it out. So what we did was day one. So I sourced all the resumes, picked ten of them, five per position. We reviewed the resumes live with recruiters from Google, Facebook, Disney, Intel, all those different companies. They came on LinkedIn Live and they critiqued it. We blurred out their information, of course. But they just did a live with everybody watching, and then everybody was also giving their input too as well. What we also did too as well to create the community aspect was we put out a voting form, <laughs> so we had them vote, like the people who attended. We had about three hundred on the best, like on the best resume. Yeah, so we they had them rank the it, rank it one to six, and then what I did was for everybody who voted, I actually invited them to an exclusive workshop which is pretty cool. So they got super excited because they're all voting too as well because they feels like they're a part of it. That's why that community aspect, right? The second day was the candidates actually interviewed live. So they went on LinkedIn Live. It was four judges. It was me. It was Anastasia from Tesla, Bashant, who is one of my mentees, and then Jerry, of course. We brought them on live. They interviewed. Uh, they gave an elevator pitch with thousands of people watching. And then we ask them a question and the crowd would ask them a question. So it's pretty cool. So awesome. Yeah. And then last but not least, we just gave the offers on Friday. So we gave them offers live. So we brought them on live and then we just say, how excited are you for, for joining? And then what can the community expect? But everybody, the reason behind this isn't, isn't to like, just be like, Oh, we're the first ones to do this. It's because the goal is for the people who got rejected for hiring managers and recruiters to see them and be like, damn, I want her. I want her. She didn't get the internship at Juan Solting. I want her for my internship. And so what I'm doing actually on Tuesday is the people who got rejected, I redid their whole entire resumes, all five, we, we selected five out of nine. So we did all four of their resumes and make a LinkedIn post and be like, I got these four qualified candidates, hiring managers, recruiters. Let me know if you're interested in them. Redid their whole resumes. You can watch them on LinkedIn live can see how good they are, et cetera. So I think it would be, and the last but not least too as well, just because students don't know what the back end process of a recruiting cycle is. Cause so I was like, does my resume get looked at? Does it get thrown out by the ATS? Does it get into a black hole? Just giving that transparency, I think was a, was awesome to say the least. Well, it's cool because you, you, you're like bringing transparency to it and you're also like boosting the candidates that don't get it, the position. It's, it's really an awesome idea. Exactly. And I was going to say to you guys, what we did too, when they, before they interviewed, we played their favorite song, like hype song, like, you know, like, like in, like UFC. Like a walkout song, yeah. Yeah. So we went back in sicko mode. We played it. We're like, yeah, we're introducing uh, the one and only Steven Tang. I was me, you know, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not good as I went to space. I got Bruce. Like, you know what I mean? So make it fun, like not nerve wracking at all. And Hell had a fun experience. They're like, man, this is the best experience we've had. Yeah, I'm hoping you guys can disrupt that market and industry because the interview process is so antiquated. It's old. Send a resume in and have a call with a recruiter. That whole thing needs to be disrupted. So that, that's amazing. Exactly. Stuff. And I was going to say to us, well, the candidates, like I said before, didn't really look at the resume. All I looked at was the branding. If I, they came to mind when I looked at their email, and it said, oh, Carolyn, oh, I remember her. She's always on my LinkedIn lives. There you go. So that was a crazy part. I mean, it was fun. And I think a lot of people had fun with it too. 
So Jonathan, one of the things that you guys do that I think is unique is you help people find their passion. I mean, obviously you have great things like interview prep, job opportunities, resume assistance, but the finding your passion, I think that is very unique. How do you go about doing that? Someone that's like, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I still remember, like, I was like, yeah, man, I'm passionate about helping people. I'm passionate about strategy. I'm passionate about thinking outside of the box. People have so many things that they think they're passionate about. What I, but what I say all the time is just take a dart, throw it on a dartboard, and just select that one, and then try it out. Try it out and network with people who are in those fields. So, for example, let's say you're interested in, I don't know, program management, and you are interested in a specific field. Then you go network with program managers in that field who work at that company and go interview them and ask them why they're passionate about their role. Then you go learn more about why they got into their role, what they do on a daily basis, et cetera. Take notes on those different things. And then you can figure out, okay, is this something what I would, that I would wanna do every single day, regardless of monetary compensation? I think what happens is a lot of us go into roles that we might not like, just because society deems it as, oh, you have to get into this role. I think that's what happened to me because I was like, man, I'm passionate about uh, financial securities at Goldman Sachs, which I wasn't, right? <laughs> but I still remember my school was literally like, yo, Jonathan, you got to work at Goldman Sachs. If you want to be the best, you got to work at Goldman Sachs. No offense to Goldman Sachs, they're dope. But then I realized that it wasn't my dream. It wasn't my passion. It was another society's passion, society's dream. The thing is, especially if you were trying to get into whatever you want to get into, just think about that. Think about what would I like to do for fun? Because I tell people all the time to follow it. When you go into later on after work, it's going to contribute to how you feel. You'd like, do you want to be like, hate your job and then go to your family and have that same attitude? Mm. Or do you want to go into a role, be happy. And then later on, you can say to your family and say, Hey, I had a great day today. Now I have a better day because I see you. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, it's like if you if you have a crappy job or you're just super unhappy, it's not like you can just shake it and make it go away at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's not, that's not going to disappear. You're totally right. Exactly. And just the networking, like I said before, networking, networking with people who have that. And then if if you want to get people to talk with you, just a little bit like, I'm trying to find my passion. I want to learn more about how you found your passion. I'm writing an article on it. I always talk about this, writing an article about it. Because then you exemplify what they're doing and the great work they're doing. And then you learn more about yourself. So Jonathan, I think one thing that we all want to know and the listeners, and I kind of alluded to this before in the beginning, started Want Salting in 2019. And now all of a sudden you're super influential. People love what you post. People follow you. You've done tons of seminars and workshops. How have you done what, – what's your, what's your secret? Like what – I mean is there a secret? Like how are you getting so much traction in a short amount of time? Because that's what stood out to me. I, we interviewed tons of successful people on this podcast. What I, what I noticed about you specifically is you've accomplished the level that past people that have come on our show have done, but you've done it in a ridiculous short amount of time. So kudos to you, but can you please give us – some of your insight into how why would it give us a secret come on bro <laughs> <laughs> i'm retiring after this, guys. I'm retiring after this all right all right <laughs> only if a uh, Cortland sudden uh heals really quick okay i'll tell you <laughs> wait, did he, wait did he actually get hurt? did he really get hurt 
I, I, he's, he's questionable right now. So I didn't okay, start. He's on my bench. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, yo, you know what the crazy part is, guys? So for the 150 speaking engagements slash like partnering with the organization universities, guess how many we reached out to out of the 150? I don't know. So, um, 10? Yeah, 10, 20? Uh, like five. The crazy wow. part, guys, is it's all through LinkedIn. It's all through LinkedIn and word of mouth. So I think, yeah, like this whole year, I've probably done one reach out to do a speaking engagement. And I don't even know what, I don't even remember what it is. I'm just giving a number, (laughs) but we actually have not done any proactive. That's why I'm telling everybody to build a digital brand and presence because people will come to you and be like, no, Sergio, I want you to come speak at my, my school or university organization. So that's the crazy part. And I think what really helps is that the one word hope. I think hope is extremely important. Yeah, from Star Wars, right? Hope, right? <laughs> Everybody needs hope. Remember that? Remember that quote? Or something? Something like that. I forgot who says it. Yoda or something? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but that hope aspect is important because I think right now a lot of people are getting affected by layoffs, being forelogged, etc. So I, what happened was in March when that happened, we kind of jumped in and we were like, "All right, let's be that beacon of hope for people." but not only be the beacon of hope, but give the action steps of how to get to where you want to be. And I think that is very important. And that's why we've been able to help so many people. And it's crazy because some of these people we've never even worked with, like one-on-one. I'm telling you probably about 70% of people who are able to get the jobs through consulting, we've never worked with one-on-one. The thing is they just get it through our content and through our articles. So wow. I think that part is extremely important. And then last but not least, of course, just being like kind of the first movers in whatever we do. So like the speaker series, how I actually learned how to do speaker series was from Cisco. So background about this is from all my jobs at Snapchat, Google, Cisco, the only reason why I worked there was of course the credibility aspect, but then also I just took the processes that weren't proprietary and I put it into consulting. So Cisco, we did speaker series, a little bit of the same thing replicated to consulting had that speaker series. We had about 7,000 people who came in the first one. And then we have consistently about 10,000 to 15,000 viewers. All right. So being that first mover is important because then everybody else follows suit and it's like, Oh, like let's do this too as well. That's what I see a lot nowadays, which I don't mind at all. Like people are like, Jonathan, people are copying. I'm like, why would I be upset about that when I could put my energy towards <laughs> other things yeah. and, and too as well, they're just trying to help the community. You know what I mean? Like, that's why when people always tell all the time, like, oh, someone's copying me. I'm like, it's about professional development. Like, if it was something in regards to something bad, I'd understand. But like, if people are just trying to give back to the community, let them. Maybe they're passionate about it too as well. You can't limit someone to be like, yo, Lee, Sergio, Matt, don't, don't do a podcast. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but yeah, just that, that aspect. And then also, oh, last but not least, the personality, I think. Because Jerry and I, we just talk casually. We kind of talk like bros, like, yo, what's up, bro, blah, blah, blah. But like, <laughs> yeah. we just, we're just very human and, and relate to a lot of the students and job seekers. I kind of wish we had Jerry on too. I might, I might hit him up. I was going to say, I, know I'll, I will literally connect you. Yeah, like, I know he's the COO of Wansulting. And then he's, did you say he's into finances as well? I think Lee, there oh, could be some. Oh, that's right. Yep, financial uh, literacy. This guy is all about finance. Yeah. Awesome. So I was just gonna say, what made you realize you wanted to start consulting? Like, was there a moment in your childhood or college where you're like, yeah, I could see myself doing that? Yeah. So when I was a senior in college, 
I was like, man, everyone is getting a job except me. <laughs> the crazy part was, is that I would go to final rounds with Goldman Sachs and Deloitte and never got in. And I always wondered why I never got in. But what I do is I keep the interview questions for my peers and I'd help them get in. I got over 200 of them in and actually bridged that gap between Goldman and Deloitte and those, and those students for this university. But that's when I realized, I was like, man, I got a passion for helping people. Why don't I build it into a business or build it into something? So that's why when I was at Google, it was just an idea. I think what happens is things just happen like in regards to ideas and they're just like, all right, let me just try it out. And the first year was, I didn't really like put too much time to it. I put like half of my time and then of course, full time at my corporate job. But then once the pandemic hit, I kind of sped it up because I actually got affected by layoffs for COVID-19. But I didn't tell anybody, guys. I told nobody. So in February, late February, I got affected by it. The crazy part is Cisco kept me on till July. I think one of the reasons why they kept me on was literally because of my LinkedIn content. That's why I always tell people all the time, content creation. So well, they kept me on. But the thing is, I didn't, like, honestly, to be transparent, I didn't do anything. I didn't do much. All I did was professional development, which is the speaker series for Cisco. <laughs> but like, but like, you know what I mean? So, but just to backtrack real quick, the, the motivation behind it was, yeah, when I was at Google, I didn't see anybody in regards to like my school or people coming from similar backgrounds. I just kind of wanted to bridge that gap. And I think if you're able to bridge that gap and show students and job seekers that the difference between a non-target school and a target school are simply opportunities, you just have to create them for yourself. So that's what it's all about. That's awesome. Jonathan, have you, can you talk to us a little bit about the masterclass that you and Jerry did recently? We'd love just to hear how that went and what that's all about. It went, it went amazing. Yeah. So masterclass was literally about how to get into your dream job without applying. And so we just talked about our experiences specifically in regards to how you can get into these companies without applying. And what we taught them was that there's different tiers specifically in regards to how you network. Because what happens is there's the applying, there's people who get referred, and then there's the recruiters and hiring managers. What happens is people will just simply apply. But like, for example, let's say program manager at Facebook. How many people applied there? Probably like a thousand. How many people get referred? Maybe like 50. How many people know the hiring manager or recruiter? Probably like two. But then how many positions are open? Like two. So what happens is you got to get into that first tier because a lot of students and professionals will stay in the tier in the last tier and will never get an interview because they already find that qualified candidates through that first tier. So we had a great master class. We had over, I think 400 people actually sign up, which is crazy. And all honesty, we marketed very well on LinkedIn. We didn't do any guys. We don't do any ads. Like I forgot to mention this. Everything is very organic marketing. We do no ads at all. It's just all through LinkedIn. That's why I'm nothing on Instagram, nothing on Facebook. Yeah, no, no, no Instagram ads, Facebook ads, et cetera. We just post like Instagram stories, that's it, but no paid ads or anything. Um, which is a crazy part. Reason being is number one, because uh I don't know how to do ads really. <laughs> <laughs> which I should learn to be honest. But uh and number two, it's just like LinkedIn content's free marketing. So that's why I was like, all right, might as well just try this out. But I think if we do ads, it would be much better. But all, like I said, for all organic marketing, that's why I tell people all the time, utilize LinkedIn for your business. It's going to, it's going to grow. That's why I see free retirees, you guys growing, growing significantly, especially on a LinkedIn. So if y'all need any LinkedIn tips, I got y'all. 
Oh, thanks, bud. Yes. Appreciate please. that. A current constant topic between me, Lee, and Sergio is, is like, we, we wonder, like, a lot of people use LinkedIn to get a job, right? But once they get that job, do their, does their engagement and kind of use of LinkedIn then fall off after that? You, do you see that? I mean, because you seem really like you're deep in LinkedIn and, and engagement with LinkedIn. So do you see that as a, a common thing that happens? Do, you, do people fall off once they get that job? Or Yes, I think a lot of people do. And it just depends on the person. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people, for example, get into their dream company and then they just never, ever make content again, which is totally fine. Sometimes it's in regards to they have to, or they don't have to, but they just want to be cautious of the company that they're working for and kind of sharing their voice because there's some people on, on LinkedIn that work at like Amazon at different companies that sometimes they tell me they're like, yeah, I can't make this anymore because it seems like I'm representing the brand when in fact, I'm just representing myself. So I think that's what happens, especially with some, but there's a lot of those people. And this is what I look for in candidates too, as well, or people in the one sold community who make it into their dream job. And then they keep going They keep going professionally, but then they also give back. So there's two layers. Number one, they mentor students to help people get into their companies. And the other one is they keep going professionally and keep networking with bigger named executives. I feel like in transparency, I feel like, I'm helping a lot of people, but I need to do more in regards to networking with more C-suite level people as well, or individuals like yourselves. I think I need to do that more often. That's why I think there should be always two layers, especially when you're networking on LinkedIn. And then once you get your dream job, how do you go about it? So Jonathan, going to your upbringing, I saw that you were from the Philippines. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I, was, um, I wasn't born in the Philippines, but my, my parents uh, were from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do you think your parents influenced your path being that they're from the Philippines? Did they, did they steer you any, dif- uh, any direction when it came to school or work? Yeah. So they actually steered me in a good way in terms of morals and character. I think that's the most important part, especially for a family, because they really did show me that in whatever I did, that to make sure to always give back no matter what happens. I think that was the most important part my family did to me, did for me. In regards to career, uh, my dad actually hasn't worked for the past maybe like 30, 30 years. Um, so he didn't really have an influence on there. And then my mom is, if you all can guess, what Filipino moms are. Nurse. 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 <laughs> right? So my, my, my uh, quick backstory about this, but my mom and my, my Lola, as they say, grandma, they wanted me to go into being a doctor. My Lola unfortunately passed away. I promised her that I would become a doctor, but she passed away about a few years ago. But I realized that doctor has a true meaning in regards to not only the medical field, but for people in business. So that's why I felt like I was a doctor to people to help them not only heal their mindset, but get into their careers. And that's how I kind of pivoted it. But yeah, I mean, they just instilled number one, my character in regards to always treating people fairly, no matter what their position is. That's why when I try to like speak with big level people, because people are like, oh my God, I'm scared. I'm talking with this person. Treat them as a friend, as a human being, regardless of title. They are a friend and they are someone who wants to help you if they want to get on the phone with you. So that part of it, and then just keeping the path straight. I'm a middle child. So AKA, y'all can guess, <laughs> the wild one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm the one who defies, like, I don't know if you all are middle, middle childs, but the one who defies the system really. And so that's why I always try to defy the system, but in a good way, of course, to help others. Yeah, Love that. Another thing I saw that you're a basketball fan, right? Yes. So we might, 
Don't say Warriors. Um, oh, you don't say yeah, L.A. anything. Are you? Which, <laughs> wait, Lakers or Clippers or what? What is it? Oh, man. Is it Lakers? You guys already know. New York Knicks, man. They're doing absolutely amazing. They got the number eight. eight <laughs> <taken out. laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a Lakers fan. I'm sorry. Ah. Yo, y'all, mate, Giannis Antetokounmpo, rumor has it, he unfollowed Apparently, I unfollowed all of his teammates from the Bucks. No way. I, I think it's just because he's just trying to keep close to family. But <laughs> if y'all get Giannis, I'm about to flip my smart desk right here that doesn't have a charger on it because I lost it. I'll flip it over because my Lakers are doing really well right now. Uh, that was the only thing I was worried about when you were coming on. I was like, is he a Lakers fan? Oh, my gosh. All right, hey, we'll, I, we'll look past that. Okay, I, I do got a Warriors jersey, so <laughs> – yeah, that it evens out, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> so go back to my question. If you were to look at Juan Salting as a basketball player, who would you say Juan Salting is? Everyone wants to be Michael Jordan, but let's just say where Juan Salting is at right today, what sort of basketball player would you compare that to? Like, like if you had to match your company up with an NBA basketball player. Can I do two? Two basketball players? Sure, sure, yeah. All right, number one, oh, you got to go with it. You already know who I'm picking. Jeremy Lin. Oh, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Not because I'm Asian, but it's because Jeremy Lin, man. He, and not because Lee got the same hair as him. Man, when he first <laughs> <in>. <laughs> oh, I love Jeremy Lin. I was gonna say, that's like, that was like but, Lee's favorite player. Jeremy Lin, right. Because like Jeremy Lin came out of nowhere. He was a true underdog. People counted him out. But the thing is, he got the opportunity and the chance so when everything was down on the Knicks, when they still suck, <laughs> when everybody got that chance to join the Knicks, and he got that chance. Lynn Sanity. Lynn Sanity, right? Juan Sultanity. I don't know, man. Right? So, um, when he got that chance, he made the best of it. So I think that's what the Juan Sultan aspect is, that underdog turned winner for Jeremy Lynn. That one? Awesome answer. That that's a great answer. I love I was hoping you were gonna come. I didn't know you'd come up with Jeremy Lynn, but yeah, that's that's awesome. Continue. You would like that answer, Lee. Go ahead. I love it. All right. And then my second one, man, my second one. I was about to say Steph Curry because <laughs> he's quick with the shot. But I had to say my man, uh, my man Kobe Bryant, of course, RIP to Kobe. But Kobe, because it's that Mamba mentality, just to be the best that, that we can be, not only for ourselves, but for other people to also strive to have that Mamba mentality, that one salting mentality, as they say, the one salting effect, we call it. I think that's very important to have because – if you strive to be the best, the rest will follow. That's gold, man. Mic drop. Yeah, that's gold. Man. We've got so much <laughs> gold right. here on the audiogram clips. Hey, I was gonna say, I was gonna say Steph Curry pre when he was getting a lot of ankle injuries, like before he blew up. And then like, you know, mm-hmm. nobody expected yeah, kind of Curry to be who he is like, now. Dude. Nobody. Like he came from Davidson, a non target school. It wasn't Kentucky. Like you guys are Steph Curry. 100%. That's what I was going to say, Steph Curry, because he literally was the one carrying the team when Davidson, what, what is that, 2000? I forgot what, what year it is. Man, he uses shooting shots. That's what we do. We try to shoot our shots uh, yeah. at people to bring them on speaker series, shoot a shot to help people, and hope it works. But also have a strategy behind it, of course. Have a team, a supportive team. <laughs> awesome, man. So to close, you have to give the listeners one piece of advice that you think that aha moment that's helped you get to where you're at? Like, what do you think it is? Like, what can you leave the listeners with? Yeah. What I'd say, everybody, is don't be afraid to ask for help. I think this is extremely important because 
I think what happens, especially for my culture, is that for Filipino culture, I remember my parents and family was like, yeah, don't ask for help from strangers. But in reality, people are willing to help. You just got to ask because if you never ask, the answer is always no. And if you never ask, you never know. So always ask for help, I think is so important, whether it's in regards to getting into your career, scaling your business, X, Y, Z. If you just ask, the worst they can say is, no, I can't help you. But do you think someone would say, no, I can't help you? Or do you think that they would just ignore you? Probably just ignore your part, which is fine. And you also just need one yes. One yes is the most important because if you have one yes, that's all you need to be the next one to get into your career. That's fantastic, brother. Thank you so much, man. All right, everyone, we are signing off. You've been listening to The Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. The free retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson and Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Security America Companies. Securities America Incorporated, Security America Advisors, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. Third-party sourced information comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook Incorporated. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.